two, there is a method to the madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in the business for the past 25 years. This morning, I'm going to cover a question asked by a client, and uh, she wanted my thoughts on intermittent fasting. And I believe that's a good one. That's a very good topic to dive into because it's kind of one of the, uh, you know, the fads and trends that are out there. It's been out there maybe for five or six years with a great degree of popularity. So as always, what I like to do is get behind everything and talk about the science, the quote method to the madness. So let's do that. Let me first explain what it is. Let me explain the, uh, the science of digestion, and then I'll get into what's good or bad or the truth about fasting. So first off, intermittent fasting is um, a form of fasting, and I think everybody knows that fasting means you just don't eat for a period of time. There are people that fast for health reasons. There are people that fast for spiritual reasons. Intermittent fasting is a way for people to only eat during certain periods of time. So one of the uh, people that pushed it to the forefront of popularity was a, uh, a surfer guy who was an older surfer who was very well known. And uh, he started studying and talking more and doing more in the realm of physical fitness and there's no question he's a really fit older guy, and um, <clears throat> he started pushing a lot of the the popularity of it with his beliefs and behind that it really worked for him. And then with some research, he really uh, believed it worked in general. And then, of course, there's been other people that have uh, really pushed it forward. But uh, this um, gentleman was the first one I can remember that really started talking about it. And like everything, if your name is big enough, then you're going to start getting a buzz around whatever you're talking about, whether you know what you're talking about or not. And uh, in this person's defense, I'll say he knew what he was talking about because he was just simply talking about himself. Now, the science behind it is another matter, and before you turn off thinking I'm going to blast intermittent fasting. I'm not. I'm just going to explain it and uh, explain the pros and the cons. But uh, so intermittent fasting, again, is only eating for a brief period of the day. There's different time frames, but it's very common to have like a six hour window, basically where the person eats for six hours in basically the middle of the day. And then they go 18 hours without eating, basically. And what a lot of people will do is maybe from 10 in the morning and then they won't eat, you know, after four or something like that. There's different time frames, but, you know, that's that's a pretty common one. They leave the middle of the day open to not eat. So basically then if their last food ingestion was somewhere around, say, 3.30, then they're done eating around four and then they don't eat again until 10 o'clock or sometimes people push it even later and then make their windows smaller too but that's essentially how intermittent fasting works okay 
Um, from what I've read, there is not a uh, very specific protocol as far as time of day and, and uh, you know, when to cut it off and all that. But the, uh, the consistency is the fact that the person goes a pretty long time between eating. One of the um, heroes of my childhood, or not childhood, I guess I was more like middle school, junior high, was uh, Herschel Walker, who is a great running back who played for the Georgia Bulldogs and then later played a little bit in the NFL. I mean, he was good, but he was a, a great college running back. And um, I listened to interviews of him, and he's he was doing something like that long before it was cool to. Like, this was in the 1980s, and he was... His, uh, his philosophy on eating was if he only eats once per day, then he's not going to get fat because, you know, you can only eat so much at one time. And there's a lot of truth to that. And um, if anybody knows Herschel Walker, you know, he's chiseled and he's still chiseled. He actually got into MMA fighting and stuff like that in his 50s and he's still in great shape. I'm not sure if he still does this eating protocol, but he did that for many, many years. Worked for him. Notice, though, he understood it. He said that if he ate only once, there's only so many calories he could pack into his day. Um, again, there is a lot of truth to that, which I will get back into. But I, that's sort of an idea of intermittent fasting, by the way. Um, so now let's talk a little bit about the biology and physiology of um, expending calories and how it really works. So the only way that we can bring energy into the body is through eating, through consumption, eating and drinking, okay? So calories are the energy source coming into the body, all right? So that's the income is in the realm of calories, kilocalories to be specific, all right? So that's the only way we can bring energy into the body, food or drink. As far as expenditure of calories, it comes in three different ways we have what's called our basal metabolic rate and that just means that our body is working all the time even if we're resting our body is still working we have digestion going on we have absorption going on we are our heart is ticking thankfully i mean everything is still working so our metabolic rate or bmr basal metabolic rate accounts for between 60 and 70 percent of the expenditure of what we burn that's most of it. That's why it's so critical to keep your metabolism fast. It's so critical to keep yourself healthy. And as I've said on previous podcasts, we do that through keeping muscle on our body. Muscle is metabolic. Fat is not metabolic. Okay. So the more muscle we have, the more metabolic we will be, which means we can take in more calories and get away with it. So that's that very indirect important reason for strength training so 60 to 70 percent of our expenditure is going to be in the form of bm bmr basal metabolic rate some people call it rmr resting metabolic rate same thing science or vocabulary lesson basal means rest <clears throat> okay our second biggest way that we burn calories is through physical activity and we can burn anywhere from 15 to 30 percent in physical activity. Notice that's not nearly as much as our BMR, which is why you hear me often say you cannot outrun a poor diet because if you can maximally burn off 30% of what you consume through physical activity, 
that's not a lot. That's not a 90 percenter, you know, like you think it is. Oh, wow, you know, I overate pizza. I'm just going to burn it off the next day. It's like that's going to be really hard to do, okay? So um, our activity level is, again, 15 to 30 percent. If we're maximally uh, pushing it all the time, we're close around 30%. But again, most of our expenditure still comes to RMR, meaning that even when we sleep, we're not resting, not completely. We're still burning calories. And then finally, the last little bit that we can burn is, is called TEF, thermic effect of feeding. TEF, thermic effect of feeding. Basically, that means that 5% of what we burn is when we eat. So literally when we're eating, we're burning a few calories, not a lot. Basically it just means that digestion costs something. So for the digestive juices to get flowing, for the stomach to work harder, for the small intestines to work harder, then and, and absorption occurs through the small intestines. So this is a process of like two to three hours depending on what you ate. Four hours if you ate fat, that takes the longest to digest. That's not a good thing, people. That's not a good thing. But you're going to burn 5% roughly from eating. So that's where that little myth of eat five small meals comes from because the thinking is, well, if I cut all my meals in from three to five, I eat the same amount of calories, but I spread them out, I'm giving my body more opportunity to burn more energy. There's some truth to that. There really is. The problem with it is in the behavior. When you say five small meals, people don't divide out their three meals into five. They just simply eat five meals, and then they end up taking in more. So in truth, yes, that thermic effect of feeding can help you lose weight if you take in the same amount of calories that you would under um, less meals over more meals. But then the reality is we're probably not going to do that. So in a way, that kind of goes against that thermic effect or goes against the intermittent fasting too when you get down to it. So that's not the biggest deterrent to intermittent fasting though. But, you know, it is a little bit of a, um, a scientific thing saying, well, you're, you know, you're only eating once. You're giving yourself less opportunity. But again, I don't want you to get too caught up into that because... The reality is we're talking a minuscule amount of calories. I mean, 5% all day, that's not a lot. You know, we're much better off to eat better, so we don't have to worry about that. So that's that's how things get broken down, all right? Now, here is the kicker when it comes to intermittent fasting. Those things don't change because we fast. So, you know... Again, if anything, when we eat more frequently, we burn a few more calories, but I'm not even going to throw that into my argument of the physiological argument because, again, it's too minuscule. But when we eat and when we don't eat does not change when our body decides to let go of fat. That's just not how it works. We have energy systems that produce more ATP, adenosine triphosphate, for the cells. ATP is what is the immediate substrate, the immediate energy system that you use that is stored within the cells. Okay, That's like the, the currency for the muscles, the currency for every human movement we do, any, any movement period. ATP fuels that. We only have enough ATP in the muscle cells for literally one to two seconds. So 
it's instantaneous that more ATP needs to be delivered or produced in the cells so we have more energy to continue whatever we're doing. All right, not trying to make this overly technical, but that's where calories come in. So calories come in, energy comes in to reproduce more ATP. It's a constant process. It's not just like eat, you have energy, you go. No, it's this constant process. It never, never changes. The only thing that changes is how fast your ATP is used up or how fast your ATP needs to be resynthesized. So if we're in a heavy dose of exercise, that's when we're anaerobic and our body goes into overdrive to produce more ATP so we can keep going. If we're aerobic, like doing really long distance stuff, our body is producing more ATP in aerobic environment and movement is occurring, but essentially our body never stops producing ATP. It just changes where it comes from. If our body isn't stressed like it thinks it is during intense exercise, then we become anaerobic and our body goes into overdrive to do what it needs to do to produce more ATP. Okay. So this never stops. Whether you sleep, you know, whether you're running, whether you're sitting, whether you're doing what I'm doing right now, which is talking, whether you know you're listening like you are right now, our body is always resynthesizing more ATP, no matter when we ate. Now our body stores carbohydrates in the muscles and the liver, and that's called stored glycogen. We store 400 grams of carbohydrates in the muscles as glycogen, and we store 100 grams in the liver. So that's 500 units of carbohydrates that we store in our body, which is 2,000 calories, because each gram of carbohydrate offers up four calories of energy. Okay, so we store 2,000 calories. Our body is constantly using that glycogen to make more ATP. Again, not to get overly technical, but one of the big parts of exercise physiology is, is all this stuff that I'm talking about right now. So the Krebs cycle basically is how our body resynthesizes ATP in the aerobic system or when you're at rest. Now here's a kicker. If you run out of glycogen, you can't produce ATP aerobically because carb burn or fat burns and carbohydrate flame. So we need that stored glycogen. Okay. So the moral of the story is it doesn't matter when we eat, when we refuel, when we don't eat. It's not going to change our metabolism. It's just not going to change it. The, you know, so the truth that intermittent fasting is going to make your body like, you know, number one, um, use up all of its glycogen when you sleep and then you get up and you, you're, you're doing what people call their fasting cardio, so to say. Well, number one, that's not how it works. You're not going to burn up 2000 calories of glycogen when you sleep. And if you're burning up all of this glycogen, by the way, that's not a good thing because remember, the Krebs cycle says that fat burns in a carbohydrate flame. So in all these different sort of low-carb diets, you know, are talking about ketosis, you know, um, keto diet, right? Oh, it's a good thing. That's not a good thing. You can't burn fat without carbs, right? It's still going to come down to energy in, which is calories, versus energy out, which is calories, no matter when you eat, no matter what time you eat, no matter what, it's, it's going to come down to that. And if you're on a lower carb diet, 
that's really going to have nothing to do with when you sleep because we use predominantly most of our carbohydrates up in the form of glycogen when we exercise. And chances are, if we're not exercising, um, we're probably not burning up our glycogen ever, you know. So essentially, that's kind of a, uh, a non-factor in that anyway. And the, the point is, is that it comes down to calories. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be pro-carb versus low-carb or whatever. I mean, I'm definitely not low-carb. But my point is, is just like everything, just like your bank account, if you spend too much, if you spend more than you bring in, you're not going to have any money, right? So if you don't spend up your carbohydrates, if you don't use up, I said spend up on purpose, if you don't use up your carbohydrates, then yes, you will store them as fat. But does that mean you need low carb or no carb? No, it means you need to know how many carbs you need, which is really pretty easy to determine. Eat a balanced diet. If you need to lose weight, then if you're losing one to two pounds a week and no more than that, then you're probably taking in the right amount of everything if you're making sure that your diet is balanced, meaning you're not trying to eliminate carbs or fats or protein. You're just keeping everything balanced. And I've talked about it before and I will again, but I don't want to get away from the topic of intermittent fasting. But the bottom line is if you eat enough carbs, you're going to have energy. If you don't eat enough carbs, you're not going to have energy. It's all going to come down to calories. So why would intermittent fasting work? Because I promised I wasn't going to bash it. For psychological reasons, not physiological, psychological, meaning that a lot of, and I, and I have my new weight loss book coming out, and uh, there's a whole chapter on this. And there's a lot of people that do their most damage of eating late at night, or I should just say after dinner. That's when they do their most damage. So if you're like doing a form of intermittent fasting and you just say, you know what, I'm not eating, you know, after four o'clock or whatever. And I mean, I, I usually tell my clients I don't have the intermittent fast, but I will say, you know, try not to eat past five or 530 for that reason. Because if you know that that's the time when you really, really graze or binge, you know, or at least graze, then if you tell yourself, if you make it a rule, you don't eat after a certain time, you're not going to do it. So the, the same could be said for intermittent fasting. From a psychological behavioral standpoint, it could be a very, very good tool. If you tell yourself, you know, I'm not going to eat past this time. And also, you know, maybe you get up in the morning and the first thing you want to do is eat something unhealthy. If you tell yourself, I'm not going to eat until blankety blank, that could work. So it has nothing to do with physiological. The only thing fasting and all that have to do with isn't in regards to weight loss. It would be like digestion. If you <clears throat> maybe do a little bit better when you go to sleep with everything digested and absorbed, great. And I'm not going to discount that that can't be a beneficial thing, you know. Um, and again, for the spiritual reasons, people do it, you know, wanting to feel deprived, wanting to empty themselves. I get it. That's great. I'm not against fasting at all. But from a weight loss perspective, it's a hack. It's a physiological hack. It's a scam. Um, and maybe the, you know, maybe scams a rough word because maybe the people aren't trying to scam anybody, but it's just what they believe because a lot of people don't look at the science, you know, they look at things that might work. But again, I'm not saying it won't, but it will definitely be from a psychological perspective of 
you setting up your rules, which I know are critical. You have to have weight loss rules. And if the rule is you're not going to eat past a certain time, then you're just simply not going to do it. If, if it's when you drink your wine and eat your chips is at night, but you say, I'm not eating past five, well, you just eliminated that behavior. If you're really bad about the morning treats, you know, and you say, I'm not going to eat until, you know, I've exercised and then I shower and then I, you know, do what I got to do and then I'm going to eat around 10, you're more likely to make a conscious decision on that. So I think it can work from that perspective. It's just now you know why. Now you know the method to the madness. Psychological, behavioral, amen. Um, physiological, not proven. All right. So if you have any questions, you know, always feel free to email me, you know, comment. I post these podcasts on social media. You know, I like your input. If I offended anybody, let's talk about it. You know, there's a, you know, let's figure it out because I want to help people get better. That's my job. And uh, with that, let me thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden of Gilden Group Realty of Realty Pros. They're absolutely the best. They stay in shape, they work out, which is why they have over $100 million in sales. That ain't easy. That's, that kind of blows me away, you know? And they have the most five-star reviews in the area. That's pretty darn impressive. Reviews matter, you know? Um, yeah, just thinking I haven't rated a lot of my real estate agents because I just eh, haven't been overly impressed. So, uh, But these guys are great, you know, and they're currently looking for me to find some kind of commercial space because I want to expand. And, uh, you know, I trust them to do it. And um, I believe you should too. And we thank them because the podcasts are not free. They pay for it. So with that in mind, if you have any needs in the real estate area, give them a call at 386-451-2412. Again, 386-451-2412 or thegildengroup.com. And this is Jonathan and Lynn Gilden. Very beautiful couple. So again, until we meet again, be max fit and be max well.